Well, good morning. It is so good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. If you're a guest, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And for those of you at our regional campuses, great to have you with us as well. And we're in a series called Chapter 29, as the video bumper just showed. And, and it's out of the book of Acts. And the idea is that the 28 chapters of Acts presents what God wrote, the story God wrote through the lives of believers back then, and now he's still doing it, through us, only now it's chapter 29. And I just really want to turn right to the text this weekend. Acts chapter 1 and begins with verse 6. It says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? This is the question that they had kept asking during his entire life and ministry. Are you going to, you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Are you going to come and become king of earth now? Are you going to take down all these other empires and become the king now? I mean, ad nauseum, they asked this. And and you'd think after he then fulfilled his, his reason for coming to this earth, he died for the sins of humanity, for the wages of our sin is death. It was put on him. He was buried, and then he rose to walk in newness of life and give us life. And you'd think that their question would have been something different. Wow, you're going to set up your kingdom in us now? I mean, you're going to live in us now? We're going to be able to go back to how we were originally created before, before sin entered this world? But no, they, they asked the same question. You're going to take over the world now and be king of, king of the earth again? And, and this is what he said to them. It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. I mean, when God wants you to know, he'll tell you. This is beyond you. This isn't for you. It's interesting but irrelevant. I have something bigger for you right now. And, and then he goes into that. He says, but here's what's in your grasp. Here's something that is for you. Here's something that is relevant not just interesting, here's something that will change your lives and the world. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and then I love this last sentence, and he said this, and he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from the sight. If you're a public speaker and you make a really profound point, there's no better exit than that right there. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about asking our tech team to hook me up, right? You know, so make a strong point and boom, he's gone. Never to come back. It'd be awesome. But, but here's what he was really saying, and I, I, I want you to get this. This whole book of Acts has been just impacting me all summer long. And this one text has leaped out and helped me to realize why I'm not necessarily experiencing all that God has for me, why we're not experiencing all God has for us. In this passage, I don't know if it, it became clear to you yet, but what he was really saying was, when I'm going to be king of the world, when I'm going to be king of the earth, doesn't matter nearly as much as whether you're allowing me to be king in your life. Now, that's a strong statement. I mean, they kept going, when are you going to fix all the injustices out there? And when are you going to take care of all these bad people out there? And when are you going to fix all the brokenness out there? When are you going to come and take down all the people that need to be taken down out there? And he says, you know, that's going to happen. But what's more important right now to your life is, when are you going to allow me to fix all the brokenness and the injustice and the junk in you? Here's the truth that I want you to see. We love to focus on what's beyond us. You know, what's out there, out of our control, what, 
we don't like out there instead of what's in us, what's broken in here and what we don't like in here. It's so much easier, isn't it, to focus on the brokenness of other people than it is on our own brokenness? Isn't it easier to focus on how everybody else is messed up instead of how we're messed up? And he was just saying, look it, it's all about me right now being king in you. And the example that popped out, because the book of Acts is simply Jesus continuing to do and to teach only now through his people filled with the Spirit of God. But, but he's doing the same things he did in the Gospels. And so I always think of Gospel stories to figure out what, what he wants to do now in me and in you. And, and a story leapt out about the Samaritan woman. We actually heard someone speak on this this summer in our Unforgettable series, Albert Tate. But, but this story has so much meaning as it relates to this passage in Acts to me. And so what I want to do is I want to read the story. I actually thought a lot about this. Should I just tell the story and add some snap to it? Or should I actually read the, the passage? And I don't usually read more than one or two verses to you because I see what happens. I mean, I get to the second verse and you're going, oh, look, a squirrel, you know, oh, a bird, you know. <laughs> fly, you know, I wonder who's here, and it's, it's, I don't know what's wrong with our focus in this world, but, but I actually decided this story is so compelling and so important and so filled with impacting truth that I'm going to read it, and I'll throw some color commentary in, but Jesus told his disciples that he had to go somewhere where Jews never went, to Samaria. I mean, they didn't go because the Samaritans had compromised purity, the Jews said. They had intermarried with people of a different faith, and they had adopted different forms of worship, and so the Jews just thought that they were worthless, worth nothing, but of course, God so loved the world. So Jesus said, I've got to go to Samaria, and when he showed up, they, he just sits down, he's kind of weary, the text says, and starting with verse 7, it says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For, the Bible parenthetically says, Jews don't associate with Samaritans. And then Jesus answered her, and he starts getting at this issue. Remember, we were concerned about what's beyond us, you know, what's going on out here, outside, all the brokenness out here, instead of what's going on in us. And he starts jumping into the idea, and Jesus answered her, you know, Really, maybe we're wasting a lot of time here. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, it's obvious he's not talking now about the water in the well because she had every means to get the water out of the well. She did this on a daily basis. And he, he just said, look, it, if you know who you were talking to, you would stop worrying about the temporary thirst that you experience in this life, in this world, um, physically, and you you would ask me to, to quench your internal thirst. You would ask me to deal with all the brokenness and the mess within that, that so drives you. And she said, sir, she didn't get it because we look beyond, right? We're always living in this temporary world. We're not seeing the bigger picture. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? If I was Jesus, you know, and thank God I'm not because this world would be really messed up then. And, uh, but, but if I was Jesus, I would have said, well, as a matter of fact, you know, I am greater than him. But Jesus didn't. He's... He's really trying to go into her, and, and he said, look it, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, 
Jacob drank it, he was thirsty, he died. It only meets a temporary need. It doesn't solve the problems that we're dealing with as human beings. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. They, they won't be so dysfunctional and so messed up on the inside, so driven to find some sense of fulfillment and meaning and value that they make such bad choices in their life. They, they'll no longer be driven to hurt other people, to, to feel better themselves and all these things he's saying. And the, the water I give them, they'll never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. There'll be no internal thirst again. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I have to keep coming here to draw water. You see how she's not getting it? I mean, it's like, it's all this temporary stuff. You know, what, what, you know she's probably going, what are you going to do? Put it in my house so I can just turn a spigot and it's going to come on, you know, that kind of a deal. And, and then he goes, okay, you're missing it. You're still thinking of this outside stuff. You're still thinking about what's beyond you. You need to think about what's in you. And so he, he said, go call your husband and come back. And she said, I have no husband. She, uh, she rightly replied. And then Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What, what you have just said is quite true. The first thing I would like to say is that was very, very odd for their culture and their time. But she would have made a great American, wouldn't she have? Seriously, I mean, would have fit right into our culture. But the second thing I want you to see is that obviously she had some dissatisfaction within. I mean, she was so thirsty within. It was like she kept trying to find things that would meet her needs out here because we look at what's beyond us. Uh, it's my husband's fault. No, it's my second husband's fault. No, it's my third husband's fault. You know, it's not, not it's... It's the whole idea of marriage. That's the problem. I'm just going to live with the dude. Oh, crap. They're men too. And, you know, and it's, like, it's like nothing was working for her, right? And, and, and you'd think then she would have like gone, okay, you got me. You know, I, I am thirsty. Are you saying you can do something about what's in here? But she didn't because we human beings, we focus on what's beyond us, not what's in us. It's easier to focus on others. And so, I mean, she, she goes right to other stuff she deflects. She says in verse 19, sir... I can see that you're a prophet. Ooh. People do that to me when I'm on a plane. You know, they'll be talking, what are you doing? Blah, 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 and start talking about Jesus. What do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, I can see you're someone I don't want to talk to. That's kind of what uh, is going on here. But I can see that you're a prophet. I'm not going to let you get personal with me. So I'm going to deflect again and look beyond myself. I don't want to deal with the mess in here. I want to deal with the mess out here. So she said, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now, this is going to solve all of life's problems if we can figure out what mountain to worship on, right? We figure this one out, it'll all be okay. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. But see, she's not wanting to deal with the problems. And then Jesus replied, woman? Because this is my savior and my lord and I'm supposed to follow him, I do this to Roxanne all the time. Woman. <laughs> no, I don't. I actually want to live in the home that we share right now. But he said, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. It doesn't matter what mountain. It says, you Samaritans, you... you, you you worship on this mountain, you don't even know what you're worshiping. You've kind of lost your sense of, 
of truth. We worship what we do know. Salvation is from the Jews, but, but he's saying no one's worshiping right because we're arguing about the wrong things. We're living out here instead of letting me live in here. And so he says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in the truth. Like we were created to live, to walk with him in us. His spirit and truth in us. That's where life came. He breathed life in us. The, the breath of God is the spirit of God in us. And when we sinned, we lost it. So we're no longer living. He's going, look, it, because I'm here, you're going to be able to go back to how you were created to live. These are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. It's not about where you worship or in what place you worship. It's about whether or not you're allowing God to be in you. And then the woman said, still, she's out here, beyond, instead of in here. The woman said, well, I know that Messiah called Christ, you know, the Savior's coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And he, what she's basically, she's shutting down the conversation here. You see it, right? She's going, yeah, 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 we've been arguing about this for centuries, and there's only one person who can fix this problem, and it's the Messiah, and he'll come someday, but it'll probably be thousands of more years, so leave me alone. And then Jesus, Kaboom. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Everything changed in that moment. Everything. Just then his disciples returned. They were surprised to find him talking with a woman, of course, because, because they didn't care about people. Why would he? But no one asked, what, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? And, and then this is where you know her life was changed. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town. Wait, isn't the only reason she was there is because she was thirsty, she needed water? Wasn't this the whole thing? Give me a better way to fill up this water jar and I'll be good to go. When it says she left her water jar, it means her focus changed. Everything about life changed for her in this moment. She realized that, that this was someone who could change what was in here, that this was a more important thirst and and it changed, and so she went back to town, leaving her water jar, and, and this is what she said. These words will come back to us in this talk. Come see. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? I think I, think I finally met the Savior. I think, I think the promise is here. This is the one who can change us from the inside out. And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. And then jumping to verse 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of this woman's, this broken, messed up woman's testimony. Now, you might go, okay, pretty good story. You gave some color commentary. I think I've got my money's worth. Can we go now? No, you can't. Here's the question. What, what's changed in this woman? Remember our truth because it gives you the answer, really. I mean, we have this tendency to want to focus on what's beyond us, what's out here, instead of What's in here? We tend to point Jesus to stuff out here. Give me a job, give me a spouse, give me financial security, give me some revenge, give me this, give me that, all this, you know, if I have all this, it'll all be good. No, and he's saying, no, it's in here, and, and we need to look in here. And this is what happened to this woman. What changed in this woman was her focus. It went from out here and all the problems out here and all my problems are out here and, and God, you've ripped me off because you haven't given me good circumstances out here like other people have good circumstances out here and if you had given me a better life out here, then my life would be better in here and we're all wrong. That's just not true. 
And her focus changed to where she realized my brokenness within is because of my thirst within, and he can fix it. And it changed everything. This woman's problem, I want you to see, is not that she didn't know any truth. A lot of people go, I, you know, I just don't know the truth. What? It's not, she, she did know a lot of truth, a lot of it. She talked about Messiah, where we should worship, you know, their spiritual history, and she, she knew a lot of truth, just like so many of us. And have you found out knowing a lot of truth doesn't fix anything in here? And often when we're reading the Bible and we're learning truth and hearing messages like this, we're thinking about out here and out here and out here and out here, and it never does anything to change us because we're not moving it into here. Her problem was that she wanted to focus on the things that were beyond her, the impersonal, the abstract, the injustices out here, instead of the things that were in here, the very personal, and we do the same thing. So what I want you to do is I just want to show you kind of a couple of angles into her life, and then we'll make application and even worship at the end. When focusing on the problems beyond her, here's what I want you to see. She could only see Jesus as just another prophet, and she could only remain unchanged. I, I mean, as long as she focused out here, Jesus was just a, another prophet who wasn't changing anything for me. Look, at he's not fixing all the injustice, he's not fixing all the brokenness, he's not, you know, taking away my guilt, he's just out here. So she could only see Jesus as another prophet. This is why so many people can only see, yeah, yeah, just one more teacher, just one more spiritual leader, no different than anyone else. It's all the same. It's all messed up. And it's because we're focusing out here and we remain unchanged. That's what happened to her. What happened is she kept it out here. She remained broken and messed up and thirsty. She, and I really want you to get this. She had the right language but the wrong life. And, and isn't that what many of us have done with Christianity? We've, we've changed our language from what our language was to the language of Christ or Christianity or the Bible or religion or whatever we do, but nothing changes about our life. She had the wrong life with the right language, and many of us do the same thing. Jesus wasn't interested in changing her view about which mountain to worship on. He was interested in changing her he was interested in helping her to find life and life to the full. The same thing he's interested with us, but, but for her it required looking within to her own thirst, to her own need, letting Jesus in there. And that's exactly what we need. We think that if he fixes all these problems out here, life will be good. No, we'll still be broken in here. But when we let him in, everything changes. Then I want you to see from another angle, when focusing on the problems in her, when she finally, you know, saw through his eyes into her, her brokenness, her thirst, and where the thirst really was. She could see who Jesus was, and she could then be transformed. All of us keep asking God to fix the world, so we'll be better. And he's saying, no, just let me in to fix you, and then it doesn't matter about the world. You'll be better. That's when we can be changed, when we let him inside. When her focus changed, she changed. When her focus changed, her story changed. She, she experienced new life. She experienced hope. In fact, this is what I want you to see because for many, you know, religion, our spiritual lives, Jesus remains very abstract, very impersonal, very out there. Well, what happened when she let Jesus in here was it became very personal. It was no longer an academic issue for her but a life-changing issue and you know, this, I just, if I could step out of her story for a minute, this is exactly what 
the Bible says he, God wants to do in us. If we confess our sins, if, if, we, if we'll acknowledge our brokenness and our guilt and our shame, if we would stop thinking that all of our problems are out here, if we would acknowledge our sin and recognize our brokenness and confess them to him, he'd cleanse us, he'd, he'd clean us out, he'd fix the brokenness, he'd, he'd heal the wounds, he would fill the emptiness. But we don't, we keep it out here. And then, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, they, they become a new creation. The old gone, the new is here. No longer the thirsty, broken people, but instead filled with those streams of living water within. The new is here. And, but the key is we have to go from being out here to letting Jesus in here. And one last angle I want you to see of her life is that when her life was changed, and this is kind of big, when her life was changed, she had a story she couldn't help but share. I mean, she couldn't help it. Have you noticed that it's easy not to share the story of our religion? Have you noticed that? Oh, everybody's different religion, you know, who's right, who's wrong, I don't even know, there's all so many out there, and people don't even like to hear it, so well, I'll just keep my religion quiet. In fact, religion and politics, don't talk about those. It's just really easy not to share those things. They're kind of impersonal, they're kind of abstract, they're kind of confusing, we're even confused about them. No one wants to hear them anyway, so let's just, you know, embrace our little religion and we'll let other people do their deal and it's just easy to stay quiet, but not when it becomes personal. When it becomes personal and transformative, then we can't help but share it because her story was so personal and passionate. She had to share it with others. And what's interesting is it was powerful. People couldn't help but check it out. I mean, this woman who, who has so broken her life, who is so not a part of the norm of their world, comes and says, you got to come check this out. Why did they listen to her? Because something had happened that they had to see. I mean... Something was different about this woman. And because of her, they ultimately, many of them, experienced Jesus' life changing them. If I can step out of the story again, you know, this is what Jesus says will happen when you really, when you stop focusing, letting Jesus be out here in your life, and you really let Jesus in here in your life, you know what Jesus says will happen? Look at Matthew 5. It says in verse 14, you become the light of the world. And look at, he even says it, and a town built on a hill can't be hidden. You, you can't put a light on a lamp and it not be seen. And if you have a light, you don't put it under a bowl. You put it on a stand, it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, he says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Isn't that what's happening with this woman? When she finally let the light within, she had to shine the light. But when we're keeping the light out here, yeah, shine it, I'm going to shine it. There's a jerk I want you to see, you know, and there's an idiot, that stupid, you know. But when, when it's in us, it explodes out, becomes compelling. And here's the reality, because I, I, too often we leave the Bible in Bible days, and then we try and live in our days. But what we have to realize is that the Bible in Bible days is supposed to be in our days. And the reality I want you to see is that the same canon should be true for us as was true for this woman. 
I mean, we, we keep Jesus out here, but we don't have to. And if we'll finally break and let him in, he can transform our story. And it's a story we'll want to share. This is what happened with the apostles, because I started in Acts, as you know. And remember, they were saying, hey, you're going to be king of the earth now? You're going to fix all these broken problems? You're going to do Our lives will be so good if you do all this fix. When are you going to be king of the earth? And he goes, no, no, no. The question is, when are you going to let me be king of your life? And they finally got it. And Acts 1.12 says they did the same thing this woman did. There was this big transformation. The apostles returned to Jerusalem. See, they wanted to go change the world, but he says, no, you need to let me deal with you. You need to let me send the Holy Spirit in you, and then you can become, you know, light that will change the world. And, and the apostles returned to Jerusalem. Jesus told them, when I'm king of the world, doesn't matter right now, but when I'm king of your life, that's how I'll change the world. And they stopped looking beyond, and they started looking within. They started just trusting him and obeying him. And, and the result was they were changed, and they were filled with God's spirit, and God used them to change the world. And here, here's just, this is what I want you to see. This is what God wants for us. This wasn't for them. This is for us. And so let me give you this application, something that you can weave into the fabric of your life and your, your living. If, if we genuinely want to experience hope, I mean, if we genuinely want to experience hope, the hope of Jesus, then we need to change our focus. I mean, like this woman did, like the apostles did. We need to change our focus from what's beyond us, what we can't know, what we can't control, what doesn't ultimately matter, what won't fix what's broken within us. And we need to put our focus on what's in us, our need. I think Paul said it in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? To focus out here. Fix all my problems out here and I'll be okay. No, you won't. And so he says, no, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Let him come in and renew you. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. Then you'll experience what the woman experienced, what the apostles experienced. Your story will change. When we do this, we'll, we'll be able to see who Jesus is for real and be transformed. What we need to do is we need to recognize and acknowledge our brokenness. Don't we come into church, we look around and we go, uh, uh, uh. If you're here checking out at this church, you're kind of checking out the people going, these people I want to be associated with, you know, not too many messed up people, right? I'm sorry, we're really messed up and it starts at the top. I mean, what we have to do is we have to stop looking at all this and we have to acknowledge our need and our brokenness and our flaws and our failures. And then we have to trust Jesus as our Messiah, as our Savior. And when we do, like the woman, we'll experience new life, we'll experience hope, it will become personal, not abstract. It will no longer be an academic issue, it will be an issue that will change our story. Totally change our story. I believe that each and every one of us want God to change our story. I believe each one of us need God to change our story. We're just going about it the wrong way. We're we're thinking if he changes all this and becomes king of the earth, then it'll all be fixed. No, it won't. He'll fix it when we let him become king of our life. And that, that all starts with trust.
story 
You know, I don't know what wells you're going to each day to try and find what you think will solve all of your problems and meet all of your needs. But I know whatever well you're going to, it's, it's leaving you thirsty unless you're coming to Jesus. And not just coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, fix my husband, fix my wife, fix my kids, you'll fix my life. <laughs> but if you're coming to him and saying, Jesus, I'm coming to you because of the brokenness in here. I'm needing the water that you can fill me with inside. That's when. That's when you start experiencing the healing power of Jesus. But for that to happen, as we just sang, we have to make a choice. I will trust. Because to open your chest and to let him in demands trust. And he's the only one you can trust. And he's the only one that can change your life. So before I just share the final thoughts that would be relevant from this truth for our lives, I'm going to ask if you'd bow with me in a word of prayer. Would you just do that for me, just for a moment? And if you're at our regional campuses, I really encourage you to bow with me as well, maybe watching even online. And if you're already a believer, I encourage you, why don't you talk to God about how you've been keeping them on the outside of certain things in your life. And if you're here and you've never yet taken a step into Jesus, I just encourage you, why don't you take my words in this prayer and, and make them yours. Let, let them in. Just, just say, just quietly in your heart to God, Jesus, I, I knew need you to fill my emptiness within, to forgive my guilt and to, remove my shame and to quench my thirst. I, I am messed up and broken. I have sinned against you. I'm guilty. But right now, I'm putting my faith in your death on that cross and in your resurrection to give me new life. And I'm opening my life and asking you to come in and heal me and save me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you just prayed with me before I move on in the talk, would you let us know? We've put together some information about next steps that you can take in your journey with God, but to get it to you, we need to know that you want it. And so in our program, we make it really easy for those of you who are on our services, just take out the program we hand you and rip out this little card that's a connection card and fill it out. And there are two relevant questions at the bottom. Maybe you just renewed your faith. You followed Jesus before, but you kind of let them back in, um, hit the renew button there, check that off. Or maybe it's the first time, check that one off. And then there are boxes at every exit at all of our campuses and throw it in there and we'll send you information. And if you're watching online, just hit the what next button and we'll do the same thing for you. But then, when we open our life to Christ, like the woman at the well, we too have a story we can't help but share. I mean, it's like, it's no longer this abstract, yeah, I've got this religion thing, you got your religion, let's keep that private. It's like, no, I have someone who's transformed my life that can transform your life too. Our story will become so personal and so passionate that we won't be able to keep it in, and it will be so powerful that they won't be able to at least be curious to check it out. 
Uh, people won't be able to help but notice. They won't be able to help but be curious about it. And simply because of our story and invitation to, remember what she said, come see, they'll at least, at least take a look. This happened in my life. My, I was a really messed up human being. And when Jesus started, you know, sculpting a very different person on the inside of me and it started showing on the outside, uh, people just started really like, what in the world happened to him? And when I, of all people, a very blasphemous kind of human being, rejected religion early on, um, when I started talking about Jesus, they, they wanted to check out what Jesus I was talking about. Are you talking about Jesus from down in, you know, some other portion of the world? or what? You're not a Jesus guy. And, and it literally, they had to look. Not everybody received, not everybody accepted, but you know what? They came and saw because I had a story to tell. And that's what we're called to do. We're living out chapter 29, so we're supposed to be writing the story that compels people to come and see Jesus today and tomorrow. And I, I want you to see how this works in a real church setting because very often we take settings like this and, and we kind of dismiss it as being very different from back then. Oh, back then they were doing really spiritual stuff, inviting people to come see Jesus, but today we're doing all kinds of not spiritual. It's very different than 21st You're wrong. Anything that we can do in order to compel people to come see Jesus so that their life might be transformed is as spiritual as what this woman did and what the apostles did. And we try as a church family to do things that can be compelling and interesting and impacting in presenting Jesus so that, so that you'll want to say, come and see, come and see. We, we want to give you opportunities. We do it every weekend, but we have this one once a year, unbelievably large and dramatic experience that, that is so easy to invite people to come and see, and when they do, it can transform their life. You saw a video about it earlier called Glory of Christmas. And I'd just be curious, how many of you have been to Glory of Christmas already? Okay, fantastic, that's great. If you come back, don't come alone. This isn't for people who already know Jesus. This is for the people who don't yet know Jesus. This is so that we can bring them and say, come and see my Jesus. Come and see my Jesus. It's a big deal. And it, it's a means for us to share our story. In fact, it's, a, it's an unbelievably compelling means, just like they did in the book of Acts, only man, how, how compelling is a Broadway quality presentation that's totally committed to lifting the story of Jesus into people's lives. And that's what we do, and we work really hard at it. And you know what we have to do? To get people to, to at least see Jesus the right way, all we have to do is buy them a ticket and invite them into this event. And you go, well, that's not spiritual. That's not what they did. It's exact. She went, come and see. And it transformed her town. And we sit around going, yeah, it's a Christmas show. Been there, saw that. Who cares that you've been there and saw that? It's time to get other people to come and see it. That's the deal. In fact, think about this. It's important. Can you imagine if this woman said, Wow, Jesus, you're awesome. I'm not going to tell anyone else. There might not be seats at the local synagogue for me. She, she, when she experienced Jesus, she had to go, Come and see. Come and see. If you've met Jesus, you should want with every ounce of your being to get other people to come and see. And glory of Christmas is a great opportunity. And we thought we would kind of share the story of how someone uses GOC, how I GOC. And, and it's, it's just done with an iPhone. And 
and yet it's compelling. This guy's from our family, our church family. Look what he says. Hi, Northridge family. This is how IGOC. Every year we buy a batch of tickets and we look for opportunities to share those tickets with others who would not normally come to church. GOC tickets make great gifts for friends and coworkers. The quality of the show makes for an easy invite. We invite non-believing friends out for dinner and a show or offer to watch their kids for a date night. We have a tradition of bringing unsafe family members from many hours away, stay at our house, celebrate Christmas, and go to the show. We have a great time and pack 15 people into our house. Throughout the years, GOC has changed the lives of many that we've invited, including our own family. Our kids sing and dance in the GOC show, and my wife Gail actually accepted Christ during the GOC show when we first met. So buy a ticket this year and change a life, and watch your life change as well. Man, that's awesome. Think about this. So that's the story of the well. It really is. It, his wife came and saw Jesus at GOC, and it transformed her life, and now what do they do? They, they do whatever they can to say, come and see, come and see, come and see. And they buy these tickets and bring people in. And, and lives are being changed by it. That's why we do it. The glory of Christmas is not a cute little Christmas show. It's our presentation of Jesus so that we can invite people to come and see. Why? Unless you don't have a person on the planet that you care about knowing about Jesus, you should be participating in this. It's a great opportunity. It's chapter 29. So uh, here, here are two things I want to uh, encourage you to do. The first, buy tickets for people. And just so you know, you go, what do you do with the money? I go to Hawaii, of course. No, I don't. <laughs> All the money is spent on putting on the glory of Christmas. This is a Broadway quality thing. It's huge. It's big. And all the volunteers that invest in it make us be able to... You'll never see anything like what we do on Broadway because they can't afford to pay that many people. But we do the quality technology and programming and all that. And then volunteers fill this up and we're able to present Jesus better than Broadway could do it. And all we have to do is say, not you people who don't know Jesus, you pay for it. But we pay for it. We buy the tickets and then we invite them to come in and see our Jesus. And so buy tickets. Invite them in. And just so you know, they go on sale at midnight tonight. Midnight tonight. And so this is for young people, obviously. No, I'm just kidding. It's like at midnight online, they go on sale. You can get the information in your programs or on our website and that kind of thing. Or you can call the center starting at 9 tomorrow morning. But that, I'm not going to market those things. I'm just telling you, do what you can to get people to come and see Jesus. And second... Share your How I GOC story. I, you saw he just shared that with his iPhone. And here's what we're encouraging. We're doing a huge campaign on this. We want to just really nail this one this year. And to bring iPhone or your smartphone of some kind or your, your computer and make a video. It doesn't have to be great, but you're just saying, this is how I use GOC. This is how I say come and see. This is what I do. And then put it on your Facebook. Upload it to your Facebook page and, and just hashtag it. This is how we'll be able to find it. Hashtag How I GOC. Put your video, hashtag HowIGOC. And our team's going to get that, put it on our uh, Glory of Christmas Facebook page and Northridge Facebook page, and, and it's going to be blessed. And every single week, you need to do this, because every weekend in our services, we're going to show your videos or one of your videos uh, in our weekend service. It's going to be a blast. This is how IGOC. And why do we do it? Because God is doing today what he did yesterday. We're writing chapter 29, and what we're supposed to be doing is inviting people to come and see. And what better way than this? But so that you don't get off track, let me conclude the talk this way. 
I want you to know that none of our spiritual knowledge and none of our spiritual activity matters if we're not personally experiencing the hope of Jesus in us. I mean, how, how unpowerful is an invitation to come and see glory of Christmas from people who aren't experiencing the power of Jesus in them? It's very weak. But if we're personally experiencing the hope of Jesus in us, then all of a sudden, life changes. And so I want to end the, the service with a benediction. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, if we let him in, his power is within, and then to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever Amen. If Jesus is in you, there is glory in this world. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.